0: how you living how you doing how you feeling the juice was starting to flow so we had to record the podcast as quickly as possible i am staring at a brian westbrook that right now looks manicured His beard looks nice. His hair looks tight. I even feel like he used shea butter. The dude looks great. Do you feel as good as you look, Brian Westbrook?
1: You know, I wish I did feel as good as I look. I'm glad that you at least feel that I look good. I woke up this morning, took a shower, got ready, and I said to my wife, let me get a kiss. She said, no, first, fix yourself up. And I was like, well, this is Uh, is me. This is me fixed up. So um, yeah, I appreciate you. Did you brush your teeth? I I did. I, I was set to go. I was all set to go. And yeah, Crest or Colgate. You know, we use this this uh, charcoal toothpaste, and then I use at nighttime. I use a little Colgate, so I kind of do a little bit of both.
0: Oh, you're a, uh, hey. The fact that I just learned that you brush twice a day, I can't say that about everybody. David Ingber, he's a triple a day (laughs) brusher. How are you,
2: David? No, I'm a two a day brusher and I have never missed a day in flossing as an adult. Uh, Just so everyone knows, dental hygiene is important. Every day? You never miss a day with flossing. Oh my God, you have to floss every day. And sometimes twice a day, if I have like chicken for lunch or something and it's stuck in my teeth, you rock rock a two floss day. It is important for your heart health as well as your dental health, so everyone knows.
1: I'm going to tell you guys this Here right I now. The, the yeah, biggest lie
2: on. that people tell is at the dentist, telling their dentist that
1: they floss every day. No, <laughs> right. now, do you floss every day? There's yes. only one yeah, lie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I floss every day.
0: <laughs> There's only one other lie that I feel like people get a lot, where they're like, so... How many times would you say you drink a <laughs> yeah. week and people are like, oh, I, maybe one. Or when they say smoke and you go, never, <laughs> ever. Yeah. A lot of lies at that medical. Or your physical
2: trainer asks you like, now, were you going for a run three times last week? You go, oh yeah, definitely. Definitely.
0: <laughs> yeah. See, but like that one, I feel like you can't lie because the dentist, I'm not going to lie. You talk about flossing every day. I got one of them water picks. And what my strategy is I do it the day before and of the dentist. And yeah. the problem is, is they compliment me. And they'll go, it really looks like you're doing a good job flossing. And I was like, now that I know that I'm fooling you, you're good to go. I'm fooling yeah. myself. need a better dentist. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, they're, they're, they're just moving by. Um, you know who else seemed like a fraud yesterday? The Green Bay Packers. But that's not where we're going to start. I'm only kidding. Um, I want to start off with a conversation that didn't even involve Brian Westbrook last week. Thursday's betting podcast, me and, and David Ingberg just went down a rabbit hole where we started saying, you know, all that Mike Davis talk felt really mm-hmm. good. Maybe we should not just be the Mike Davis podcast, but maybe we should be the running back podcast. Maybe we should take all the, the lost love and the, the, the foals of yesteryear and really bring the running back position to where it needs to be. And the week that we said this, Derrick Henry decided to become the most powerful force that we've ever seen. And Westbrook, I just wanted to know, would you trade to be in Derrick Henry's body and feel like what that probably felt like for a game? What would you give? I I would
1: give a lot of things to just feel. So there's a part of you as a running back, when you have a chance to run somebody over because these linebackers and safety and D line, they're paid to just hit you in the mouth. But to be able to run, hit him in the mouth, and run through them—that's oh. a feeling that I don't know if you, you've had that feeling. I, I've had that feeling, and I ran through Jonathan Vilma a couple of times before. But that's that's neither here nor there. This <laughs> Yee- is—it is, was one Man. time up in New Jersey. I had a good angle, but.
0: Hold on. Tell the truth. Tell the truth. When you hear him broadcasting games right now, do you like want to be like, now, John, <laughs> no, not,
1: I did no. plow through <laughs> you. i to tell game. you, John was a great linebacker, a really good player, but I had he the angle kidding. on him. He took a couple wrong steps, ran through him. But it, it's almost like if you're a fighter and you could punch a guy in the chin and you knock him out, it's that type of feeling. To watch Derrick Henry, obviously you saw the stiff arm against Josh Norman. That was the thing of beauty. But to Oof. watch him just run through second third levels of a defense and just gallop his way uh, to touchdowns it's, it's a thing of beauty I, I would give a lot to just to feel that one more time i, I would give a lot
0: hey, amber i think your buddy rich eisen had a pretty good stat to sum up two i think of the bigger storylines of the week derrick henry and the new york Jets. yeah
2: total yards of offense in week six king henry 264 yards new york jets 263 yards wow. ouch wow
0: uh yeah, he had twenty-two carries, two hundred and twelve yards, two catches for fifty-two yards. And I really did find myself thinking, have we ever seen anything like this? Just from this one unique skill set of this enormous guy that not just is powerful, as Ingber said yes to us in the text thread, he also runs a four four, four, five, forty and can like he gets to the second level and outruns these tiny safeties, which is incredible. With a
2: ball in his hand, by but the way with yeah. the yeah you're right
0: he looked faster than but the also, yesterday but also he never gets tired <laughs> what's incredible is when you look at the statistics his yards per carrier actually not great if you take away the big runs it's just he never gets tired he's got that that mummified uh ponytail that i feel like is like this incredible rudder so that he never loses balance um and i and i I just feel like they look into his eyes and they go, I really have to do this for four quarters. You know, like, I'll keep you to two. I'll keep you to three. I'll keep you to two. But when you're on attempt number 27, 28, and it just doesn't stop, it, I feel like it has to break the will, Westbrook, of these defenses.
1: It's, you know, the weird thing is that usually I would say Derek Henry gets better as the season goes on because guys are tired in November, in December. Guys are tired. They're saying, listen, I got to make a business decision. I don't know if I want to tackle this 250-pound guy. Um, But he's doing these things in September and October at the beginning of the season where guys are generally healthy. And they're saying – I don't want any part of that. When you watch that game from yesterday, there was guys on the Texans that turned down opportunities to tackle them, that moved out of the way mm-hmm. just so they can try to run and catch him from behind so they didn't have to try to tackle them. It's, it's been a thing of beauty uh, to, to to watch him. He continues to impress me because you're right. He doesn't get tired, but he gets stronger as the game goes on. He's doing yes. In the first I, quarter, I think-
0: back to last year, and I think fantasy sometimes is a good barometer in terms of public confidence. Derrick Henry was like a fifth-round pick that people were not excited mm-hmm. to get. We haven't seen this Titans team really go full in Derrick Henry except for like the last one and, th- and three-quarter season. It's been starting. but Remember, we we went through the floor where it was all over the place. And I, I think the guy that I want to celebrate is, is Arthur Smith, but also Mike Vrabel. Because I think that you want your teams to have an identity and you want them to stand for something. And I I think there was a few moments yesterday of coaches that got me excited. The fact that Ron Rivera went for two and then after the game said, you have to play to win to teach your team how to win. We're never going to look back on that loss to the Giants and go, oh, wow, another loss. You have to change the culture. I look at Brian Flores and see the gap right now between the Dolphins and the Jets, and you see week in and week out the Dolphins perform, and I look at the Titans, and I look at this defense that was injured all over the place on the back end, Uh, They're They don't know when they're practicing or when they're playing, but they know one thing. They are pounding you in the mouth with Derrick Henry, and they believe that eventually you're not going to want to take it anymore. Um, But I I do wonder, because I think Arthur Smith and what he's doing with Ryan Tannehill is incredible. Are we not talking about Arthur Smith as a top head coaching candidate because his name is Arthur Smith? (laughs) If he had a sexier name, Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, Would he be more of a head coaching candidate? And I give you three possible name choices for Arthur Smith. You tell me which one would be the best chance of getting him a job. Let's say you like Smith. What if we change his first name to Luther Smith?
1: Mm.
0: I kind of want my head coach to be
1: Luther. I don't want a Luther. I don't want a Luther. Because when I think of Luther, I think of Luther Vandross. I don't want a singer as my head coach. I want someone to Mm.
2: motivate me, not a singer.
0: A lot of good puns, though. What are you thinking? they are Luther Smith.
2: I would actually go with Artie. I'd go with the old school nickname. He'd, then he then then I'd think he's like What's some lost artist? guy from the '80s, like some you know offensive guru that we forgot about who like worked in old San Francisco. Coach.
0: Yeah, he sounds like the an old problem coach. is. The problem is people turn on Arties quickly. <laughs> You've had you, you brought this up before, David. Jimmies don't get as much respect as Jim's. Timmy's don't get as much respect as Im's. Wait until Artie, because the problem with Artie, too, is you got the Arthur fist meme. So you like Arthur. What if we change his last name, Ingber, to MacArthur? Ooh. So his name is Arthur MacArthur. Yeah, sure. Personally, I'd love to say that all the time.
2: There was a volleyball player uh, who like won a gold medal named Alan Allen, spelled the same first and last name. And I was like, what a fantastic thing. Yeah,
0: And then let's say we go completely off the rails, and because I feel as though he designs offenses like some Italian designer, what if Arthur Smith changed his name to Federico Tanti? And he was this guy in the booth, and he kind of had a mustache, uh, and he didn't talk a lot. He kind of his press conferences were like an English Premier League manager, or maybe like a Bundesliga, because they really don't have to answer anything. And he just designed plays. His name was Frederico Tanti
1: <laughs> Westbrook. What, what do you call him? What do the players call him? Federico? What did they call him? Coach? I mean, how do, what,
0: I, they call him Coach 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 Tanti. <laughs> yeah,
1: that...
2: I like Coach Fed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: Coach
2: Fred. The feds are watching. When he's, he's looking out the window, Mr.
1: that's what you do. Yeah. When you're looking I out just, the window, you say, The feds yeah. are watching, the feds are watching.
0: Well, I just think uh, I'm joking, but like what the Titans are is a top three, four team in the AFC right now. And Vrabel doing the move where he throws an extra guy on the field to stop the clock and driving down and it, like. Everything is clicking right now. The only thing that scares me, and Westbrook, you're the guy to ask, is Taylor LeWan tears his ACL. This guy was, I believe, third best in PFF mm-hmm. in terms of win block rate. Um, this would be like you losing Trey Thomas back yeah. in the day. What does this mean for this team? Because to me, you lose a left tackle, that's epic well, shit. I was
1: just about to mention, their offensive line has been dominant. And when you watch their offensive line work, I'm talking about two, three yards down the field. They're pushing the defensive line back. They're winning in the trenches. That's why you're seeing Derrick Henry not get hit until the linebacker level to the safety level. And I also want to mention this. You know, for a big guy, 6'4", 250, Derrick Henry makes people miss. And it's not like the same way as you talk about LaShawn McCoy, Barry Sanders. But for a big guy, he makes a lot of guys miss. Some of it is because of his size. Um, But, yeah, you got to give a lot of credit to that offensive line. When you lose LaJuan, um, the continuity's off just a bit. It, it that just happens because you have a new guy coming in playing, but again, you still have your starting four, the other, your your two guards, and your other, your your center, and your right tackle. I think you still have an ability to make something work, especially if you run the other way.
0: Who are Brian Westbrook's best power running backs in the NFL history? And is Derrick Henry like making a run at that? Power running backs, um, you know, Earl, Earl Campbell, Campbell, of course, Jim Brown. Jim Brown. I, Brandon Jacobs, that yeah, might be a I
1: I would say Mike about Jerome Bettis, big, powerful, the oh, bus. Sure. Um, I'm thinking about guys that I played against. What was the guy's name that played for the Browns? He was actually on a, a, a Madden cover. Um, Peyton, Peyton, Peyton
0: Hillis was a power back. So like Derrick Henry is infinitely better than Peyton Hillis.
1: Oh, not even close, not even close, but I'm just thinking of power. Just okay, so power then back.
0: what about like – because when I think of Earl Campbell – I think of running with his shirt as jersey being ripped off on a dozen Walter Payton matter. feels like I think power of Jim guy, Brown. Walter Payton Walter Payton was is arguably like the most complete back. Like I'm trying to think of guy like Mike Allstott. I think of him like getting like a rhinoceros yeah. like 2 inches from the earth and then like exploding
1: upwards. Adrian Peterson is a but, power back in my eyes.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So, but where yeah. where do you where would you put Derrick Henry amongst all of them?
1: It's interesting. I mean, Eddie George, again, Tennessee, Ooh. thinking about power backs. Um, I, w- I would put him, I mean, he's, you have to see what he's been doing over the last two years. I would put him in top five based on recency bias, mm. of course. But yeah, I mean, you have to consider him as one of the, t- Earl Campbell is one of the best running backs that the NFL has seen. Jim Brown, obviously the best running back that the NFL has seen. John Riggins. an unstoppable force. John, you know I mean, those are some of the best that we've seen. Derrick Henry yeah. has to do this for a little bit longer time, but if he can continue anywhere close to what he's doing, um, he, he will be rated up there to next to these guys as he moves forward. He, he's amazing. He's so I, I, awesome. I was telling Enberg before before the show, I saw this kid in high school. He was 6'3", 230. He came to the Maxwell Award, and he was like, yeah – um, you know, what's up? I just wanted to meet you. I said, Oh, that's what's up, man. Cool. And so, again, I'm 5'10. And so, I was like, What position do you play? Hmm. He was like, Oh, I play running back. And I was like, oh, okay. I said, What school are you going to? He's like, I'm going to Alabama. And so, my mind, I'm saying, Okay, you'll be a defensive end in no time. Don't worry about it. So, then three, four years later, I see him again at the Maxwell Award. He wins the player of the year, college player of the year award. And I'm like, Damn, you actually did it. And, he, and now he's six four, two hundred and fifty, looking like a grown man. And I'm like, yeah, man, you're going to kill in the NFL. And he's like, yeah, I just can't wait till I get ready and I'm doing all these different things. And, you know, now, you know, we're talking about a few years later, he's running like he always thought he could be. Those same tapes that we saw of him in high school, this is the same thing that he's doing in the NFL. These DBs are making business decisions back there. It's pretty cool to watch.
0: It's um, Derek Henry and DK Metcalf both make me feel the same way that they are the reason that the, that the draft process has so many issues to it. And it's like, I mean, Derek Henry and DK Metcalf going in the second round and AJ Brown, who I watched in that game going in the second yeah. round. It's so you just look at it. Sometimes you go, how do you not draft a guy? Like, I don't know, Justin Jefferson. When you're sitting there with your first round pick and you're like, I don't know, he caught the most passes ever at LSU. And like, he kind of looks like, but I'm not, we're not even talking about the Eagles. Uh, the only other thing that I had of that game was there was a lot of people talking about, because look, man, that game was awesome, about Ronnie Cornell going for two when they were already up eight. And I'm, yeah. and like, I'm just going to say this Rich Gannon is like, the most wimpy decision maker of all time. He's yelling spike it when Tannehill gets up and throws the the game-tying touchdown to A.J. Brown. He's like, why would you do that when they go for eight? Deshaun Watson literally threw his hands up in the air when the Titans got the ball because he knew that that Texans defense, which did nothing all game, couldn't stop him. And you're telling me that Romeo Cornell has a chance to make it a two-possession game? You go for it because if you don't get it, Guess what happens? You go to overtime and you still like it's to me. Let's go to our residential statistical expert, David Ingber. David, I do have the statistics for you. They were a 98.2 chance.
2: Do you have those? I saw this. It was 98.2% chance of winning. If they go for one 98.1% chance of winning, if they go for two, um, as you know, Bill Barnwell is one of the people that I read all the time for the statistical and, uh, evaluations. And he said, Romeo going for two was a good idea. That didn't work. Belichick going for two down nine was a good idea that didn't work. Riverboat Ron going for two down one to win the game spared us from an NFC East overtime. And that's just thoughtful.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very true. I just think like, again, it's, it's you, what well, you're playing to go to overtime. No, play to win. Oh, the game.
1: So so they were up seven and they, they would have went for the extra point. It would have been up eight, and they went for two. It would have went up nine. It, that would have ended the game pretty much.
0: Yeah. Because you know what wouldn't have happened? Ryan Tannehill wouldn't have gone down the field and thrown it to AJ Brown and sent wow. it to overtime. That's why you go for two there. I disagree. And I think this is almost the same situation that we saw we talked about last week, isn't it? You're such a pussy. You're a, yeah, you're no, a pussy. This is what you do. I shouldn't say that. That's mean, this is, but it's not no, 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 you're you're Damn. you're wrong
1: though. So many people are saying, Well, you're not playing to win if you go if you don't go for two. That's just wrong. You're saying, Okay, we're gonna go up eight, and now my defense has to play. And not only do they have to just get a stop, and let's say you can't stop a two point conversion. That,
0: okay. Like, this is just the offensive side of you being like, oh, defense, it's on you. Romeo Cornell is literally the defensive coordinator, and he's letting up 30 points a game every single week. Why should he trust that defense? Yesterday, Deshaun Watson threw for 330, four touchdowns, no interceptions. On the flip side, Derrick Henry ran past the entire defense. (laughs) And if J.J. Watt didn't get a sack fumble, they wouldn't have stopped the Titans ever. I feel like Romeo Cornell was honestly going. I'd rather have the ball in Deshaun's hand to win the game than on my D. De- I'd rather my Deshaun go for two than my defense try to stop two. Or,
1: or you answer can that lose,
0: question. You or wimp. you
1: can lose the toss, the, the 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 coin flip, and not have an opportunity. Or that. H- how about you just say, "Hey, listen, Let, we're
0: going to trust my defense." And would you make rather them if you were the them. Texans? Would you rather if you were the Texans try to score a two point conversion? or stop a 2 point conversion with DeShaun the and then with that defense. Just I would honestly. Rather try I'm not try to play a, a game. conversion. And that's why he did it.
1: That's not why you do it though. Because the, the the other the opposing team has to
0: drive all the way down the field. They have to try to do that. And they did that. And and, and what I'm saying is is that literally happened proving well, my the, point. The
1: worst case scenario is a tie though. That, that
0: that's why you would want to do that. That's the worst case scenario. Yeah, but what I'm saying is is like do you believe that if you go for two and don't get it and go up seven, that the Titans are going to drive down, score a touchdown, and then they're going to go for two? No, they're probably going to go for the tie. Right. So then the worst thing that can happen if you score a touchdown and go for two to end the game is that it goes but to the
1: odd, Their odds of making the two-point conversion are less than them kicking the, the, the point after to go make it seven. The odds of making the two-point version are less, uh, much less than, than them going, uh,
2: just kicking the, the extra point.
0: This is when we turn it to Ingber, who like breaks it down in terms of like apples or kumquats. And I'm <laughs> hoping you got something. It.
2: <laughs> apples and kumquats. I'm not sure exactly how I yeah. can turn it into a fruit discussion, although I have been eating a lot of fruit this year. Shout out to fruit. Um, so the, the odds of getting... A two-point conversion of somewhere hovered around 47, 48%. The chances of winning in overtime come down to about 48 to 50% depending on the coin flip. And you're going against Derrick Henry, who is arguably the best two-point conversion running back that you would want. So again, it just comes down to do you want to put the ball in the hands of Deshaun Watson to try to get you two right now? Or do you want to trust your defense, which has been dog shit all year, to oh. stop a two-point conversion? Either way, you're dealing with some like eventualities that might not come Except to bear. Accept
0: defeat, Westbrook. Accept defeat. So I to believe it.
2: But, you know, this is this is actually something I learned when I was uh, looking at the difference between the NBA and European basketball, that In European basketball, if you're up by one, a lot of the times uh, in the NBA, you'll just try to play hardcore defense. In the uh, In European basketball, if you're up by one, you might just try to foul, let the other team shoot two free throws. Now you're down one, but you get the ball. So it's a matter of do you trust your five guys on defense or do you trust your five guys on offense? In the NBA, you trust your five guys on defense. And in European basketball, you trust your five guys on offense. It's just a different mentality. And I think Romeo Cornell I- had a lot of different calculations to factor in here. And he went, he said, Deshaun Watson can get me two yards. Deshaun Watson can get me two yards and then the game is over. We don't have to deal with overtime. We don't have to deal with Derrick Henry. We don't have to deal with the amazing yeah. Brian Tannehill. And uh, it's just over. Yeah.
0: And I think it is a well, situation. If you're the him, Bears,
2: though? you can't just how be resultist, though.
0: Don't be resultist. No, this is two things. Westbrook, this is a running back podcast and a non resultist podcast. Have to look at the we pre-s- do pre-s- not list. let the results know. Well, yeah, we have to look at the result. No. We have
1: the evidence to prove why that's a bad decision.
2: Because you I didn't give get you it ten you... to one odds. If I give you ten to one odds that it was heads versus tails, and you end up winning. You would say it was a great bet, but 10 to one on a 50, 50 proposition is not a good odds. You can't just look at the result and say, Hey, it worked out. Therefore it was a good bet. You have to look at the odds before you start it. And when they went for two,
0: I, that's like saying, Hey, I'm going to make my entire future income based on lottery scratch offs. And then everyone calls me a fucking idiot. And then I hit one and I'm like, take it suckers. (laughs) Like that's ridiculous. (laughs) Let me tell you something about these
1: numbers that David continues to spew. At one point during this little quarantine time, he invited me to play in his poker game. I use no logic. I use no math. I I use no numbers. I just play the way I feel. I go by feel. And all these professional players. And how'd you do? uh, I won, of course. And and there was was some money involved in this exchange that I. Mysteriously never received. I'm just going to tell you. You got go to go by your. Whoa, 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 There's something about
0: <laughs> this is a scandal. That's <laughs> two scandal. things.
2: How much? Mu- two things. Poker, like football, no, but- has variance, which means that any player can beat the best player in the world on any given hand. Or that's, my hand. That's, that's my point. That's my point about the game. That's
0: it. That's the so, point. I'm so confused. And
2: number two, when I offered to Venmo you the money, you said, I don't have Venmo. I don't have PayPal. You'll just have to pay me next time you see me, which is we haven't seen each other because we've been in quarantine. <laughs> that is true. That is not true. Only,
0: not only is he a resultist, he's a liar.
2: And he's an anti-Venmo I person.
0: Anti-Venmo. No. Pay That's me in so cash. so funny. Um, uh, I, I enjoyed all of that conversation. Uh, in terms of... Um, man. Hold on, time. We got to so talk about Jets running tank. backs. Though we got to talk about a couple other running. Okay, backs. what other running backs caught your eye? Because I don't want to talk about this the Jets. I, You know what? The media has too much fun talking about the Jets. Yeah, no, sucking. No, they're, I'm they're out. Running backs.
1: This guy. I, I don't think he gets enough credit. I mean, he got a lot of credit last year. And obviously, he got himself a position. Took a position from a first round or second round pick in Freeman. But Philip Lindsay deserves some love. His ability to run between the tackles, get outside, make people miss on the edge, catch the ball out of the backfield. We're talking about all these now multi-purpose bats at his size. I think he was undrafted. I mean, just having the ability to go out there, compete, win a job, and then go out there and get it done. Mm-hmm. Yesterday, over 100 yards. I mean, I continue to be impressed by him um, as, as, as his career goes on. He has to get some credit. We got to show him a little love as well.
0: Not only that, I've stood next to him and he's the smallest NFL player I've ever been next to him. I would life.
1: tower over top uh, of him. I'm like, you would like tower over him. To um,
0: so maybe the Broncos will be a team that Westbrook wants to root for. Me and Westbrook and Ingber were texting yesterday. And, you know, the thing in sports is everybody claims they can have two teams the team they grew up rooting for, the team they played for in Westbrook's case, and another team uh, of their choosing. And we're going to get into the Eagles in a bit and just the absolute suffering they're causing it 1-4-1 and one, where even when you feel like you're down double digits and I can turn off the game and watch other games, they feel the need to come back to, to then run the worst two-point conversion play that I've ever seen. We're talking about bad two-point conversions. And we sat there yesterday and said, do we have to do this anymore? And what we came to was you can root for another team but someone in their fan base has to extend an invitation to the bandwagon. And apparently Westbrook has wasted no time. And he's already ready to bring in someone to vouch for his fandom. Westbrook, who have you brought in? I am not privy well, to this. this guest
1: here is a special guy to me. Obviously he is associated with one team. Um, He's the man. I'm just put it like that. He is a man, has accepted me underneath his wing, has done so many different things. And because the Eagles are playing so well, I didn't want to travel too far to choose my new team. I wanted to travel up the interstate around the corner to Pittsburgh to find my new team, a team that looks good, they're healthy, they're running the ball with James Conner. Claypool looks like the man Big Ben is healthy now. I'm bringing in the bus, Jerome What? Bucks, are you there? What? Hello, what's up, man? What's up, brother? How are you doing, man?
3: I'm good, man. How you doing, shocked.
1: brother? I'm doing well, man. You're on with myself and uh, David Ingberg and, and, and my boy Adam Leftco. Thank you so much for coming on, brother.
3: David, Adam, how you guys doing?
0: It's a pleasure. I'm good. I'm a little bit shocked. I literally had no idea this was happening. So Westbrook wants to be an honorary Steelers fan the rest of the season and to get it. He needs your blessing. So don't just give it to him. Like, give him a test or something. I, I can't believe this is happening.
3: What was the name of the team when the Steelers and Eagles
0: came together for one season? Oh, that's a good one. It's called— I know this answer. I get to be a Steelers fan of Westbrook. The Eagles.
1: <laughs> yes. The Eagles. And, and listen, no one knows so, this so, so, I haven't so. told anybody yet. Jerome Bettis is is the reason why that I chose the number 36. He's the original number 36. Mm. Jerome (laughs) Bettis. The quickest feet. We talk about big guys that can dominate. Quickest feet on the running back of that size that I've ever seen. Jerome Bettis.
3: (laughs) I appreciate
0: that, brother. I do. Thank you, man. I didn't know that. I did not know that. So I didn't know that either. Know. What does that mean to you, Jerome? That Westbrook wore thirty-six because of you. That, that's,
3: awesome. that's a tremendous honor, you know, because you know people. You know, you pick your number, uh, and it, you know it means something to you, and that's something that you always kind of you know relate yourself with. So the fact that he chose that number uh, because I was rocking it—that's uh, that means an awful lot to me. I appreciate that, brother.
1: Bussy when you look at awesome. when you look at this Steelers team, I see a team that has a great defense, offense that continues to develop and get better every single week. How, how far can they go? I mean, we talk about the best teams in the AFC. Where, where would you put this, this team at as you're watching these last few weeks here? Well, you know, I, let, let me tell you, I started
3: off this season thinking that, hey, if Ben can be 70, 75% of the player that he has been, and if this defense continues the way it did last year, that you had a the possibility of a championship caliber team. Well, we started out this season. The defense was 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 good. The front seven, I think, was better than they were last year. The the, the secondary, not so much. Uh, and so I said to myself, well, that you know, it's it's coming together, but it's not quite there. You see this the the game they had uh, this past weekend. And it showed that that secondary is starting to make those plays that they made all last year. And if that happens, now you got the championship caliber defense and Ben is playing out of his mind. He's come back uh, and he's playing like the Ben Roethlisberger of old. And you put some new pieces in there with Claypool and and Chase Claypool coming in. Now you got something dynamic. Uh, I really believe. This team is a championship-caliber team because they're not deficient in any area. They can run the football. They can throw it. Uh, they've got a quick game. They, got, they can throw the deep ball. Uh, the secondary, they stopped the number two against stopping the run in the NFL. The secondary is, is starting to uh, make plays. So I don't see any area where you say, yeah, but uh, when they play this team, they're going to be in trouble. So I, I, like, I like where they are.
0: Oh, I'm obsessed. And I'm so happy that that D line, guys, is like finally getting the respect it deserves with Toowoom and Hayward and Dupree and Watt. But I think also like Big Ben came back and said, I can finally get the ball out of my hands quick. I feel like for years, Big Ben was like looking around and waiting for a big throw, and now it's quick. I just need to ask it, uh, Jerome, like, I feel like the ball should go to Chase Claypool every series. Like, I, I feel like I know he's, like, burst on the scene, but I don't feel like they're giving it him enough. Like, I, I want this guy to touch it almost every frickin' play. Am I crazy? Yes, you are a little crazy. And thinking, <laughs> here's, here's what you got to understand. You, you have to give, the, give it to the player, you know, in the rhythm of the game. So you were saying that you can't give it all to one guy because we're going to upset Juju. And well, no, 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 but, but here's what happened. Juju was a
3: super excited Ben asked Juju was he okay with it? he said absolutely so at that point that freed Ben up to now find the open receiver not to have to force it like oh, he forced so it with Antonio Brown so now you're going to see an offense that is explosive where you, you you get it to the open guy and you're going to sprinkle in some big plays to, to Claypool but you don't want to force it to him
0: because you've got such a talented group of receivers Wait. So, did you officially accept Westbrook in as a Steelers fan? Does Westbrook get to be a Steelers fan? Now? Well, yeah. I, I was. I was going to say that. You know, we wow. have a history of being
3: partners in terms of yes. the Steagles, and so if there is one team that you can go to that has a relationship with the Eagles, is the Steelers. So that is okay. And we're an AFC team. The, the Eagles are NFC. So it's perfectly okay. That he can come over temporarily and then he can pull back because we are in
1: part partners.
0: See? Okay, so I'm an Eagles fan. Can I come too? Whoa. Absolutely. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Is it one spot only.
1: Don't tell me. jump, <laughs> jump not our
0: bandwagon. Westbrook's saying no. Jerome Bettis said absolutely. <laughs> well, well, he, he made like you up. You know, where you're the. I, I apparently is this like a one person like one in one out type of situation, Inger?
2: What do you think? You know, it feels like you're doing a little bit of piggybacking right now. Adam. It feels like you didn't put any thought into this and come up with your own team. No, you did not.
0: I would. I had the Steelers finishing like second in the AFC. Okay, no, that was the Colts. Okay. Well, uh, (laughs) anything else for Westbrook, Westbrook, anything else for Jerome? I don't want to ambush your friend. I I
1: appreciate you, man. Thank you so much. Continue to be the man that you are. You know, see, see, this is the thing about the NFL fraternity. You're always welcomed in by the older guys. And and I'll tell you this. Sometimes the older guys are reluctant to take the younger guys underneath their wing, but it's guys like Jerome that's welcomes in everybody. And that's why he's so beloved, of course, in Pittsburgh, but around the league, um, (laughs) because he just welcomes people in and it's those those open arms those embrace uh, that that I appreciate and I and I'm thankful for uh, we're grateful for your call bus thank you buddy no problem guys hey hey have a have a great day take care all right take care thanks for
0: coming you too on. man Man, I should have known that you guys were up to something. Y'all were smiling before Call the fame show. Hall of Famer I right legit there, had man. no idea, people. We
1: talked there. about him earlier. We talked about one of the
0: best big backs in the league, the history of our game. You did. You brought him up, and you acted like it was like, right. you're like, oh, Jerome yeah, Bettis.
2: foreshadowed you. That's
0: right. That's right. But listen. That was good acting. I'll tell you this, and I didn't want to tell him. I'm them. so pissed that you picked the Steelers. What were you, you going to pick? I mean, they were, they're like... Uh, I have the biggest man crush. The only team that's allowed less than a hundred points thus far. Uh, I'm a little bit worried. They lost Deion Bush. I feel like the two biggest injuries that uh, uh, Devin Bush is today is Taylor Lewan for the Titans and Devin Bush for the Steelers. Both teams undefeated, both really big losses. But to me, it's like Big Ben, when he got Tommy Johns, like looked around and was like, if I get the ball out of my hands quickly, I'll get hit less and the offense will move. and, and, I they, they look so good. The only piece that I really don't like right now is Ebron. I feel like he's constantly either dropping balls or fumbles, and I wish they went to more Vance McDonald. Talk about, like, angry runners. Let me ask you this. They're so and good. And
1: watched that game yesterday, and, and I think the, the Steelers played really well. But are are we fooled how good they are because based upon who they played yesterday? I mean, because at some point we're saying, okay. No,
0: because they've done this every week. Yeah the Browns looked terrible last yesterday. I mean they looked absolutely terrible. I mean look, I knew when Minka when Minka picked the ball for the pick 6. I texted my friend and I went Steelers game. That's a lot. I think yeah. that was like my biggest that was my biggest pick two on Thursday. And it was just it, it was it was the perfect whirlwind for a bad Browns loss. Baker was already beat up, but like he hasn't been under pressure like that all year. The Steelers, they did this to, they've done this to everybody, man. It's a great pick by you. You know, when I watched that game, I,
1: I talked to my buddy who, 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 who loves – he is a big-time Browns fan. He said, listen, um, before I watched the game, he said, I said, what happened? He said, they kicked our butt up and down the field, just physically abused us. And so now I'm going back and I'm reading the newspaper, and every time I'm talking that, that, that one of the Steelers defensive guys were talking – they, they used one term. We wanted to punish Baker. We wanted to make him feel it. We didn't want to hurt him. We didn't want to yeah, obviously injure him, but we wanted to punish him. And if you watch the tape, you watch the highlights, every time he was getting tackled, he's wimps. I mean, he's hurting. And obviously he came into the game with yes. ribs, I believe. But, I mean, it was they, they were on a mission to get to him and touch him, and it affected his game the entire, the entire afternoon.
0: That Steelers defensive line – they're a little bit like Derrick Henry I feel like where they just keep coming at you all game yeah. and it's not like these lines where they're trying to create pass rushing lanes they're not going on the outside they're not really doing these stunts to free up people it's just like Stephon Tuitt and Cam Hayward grabbing you and throwing you out of mm-hmm, the way mm-hmm. and i just feel like they're 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 the biggest angry team in the NFL than the Titans I feel like those two teams you get done and you hurt. I think the Ravens are that team too well, that
1: Just was physically nasty team. let's
0: talk let's talk about our Eagles do we have um, to it's uh it's gross but I think Ingber to, to go to the sheet you sent us uh, from Jelly and Jr about the receivers for Wentz. We need to talk about this first because I think we need to talk about the qualifiers for the Eagles. So, what's the number for Wentz receivers beginning since last year?
2: Since the beginning of last season, Wentz has thrown to twenty-six different receivers. That's amazing. From Jelly Ench Jr. J, J E Lynch Jr. Maybe that's what that is.
0: The left tackle is out. Jamie the left Mitch, guard I'm is Mitch. out. The right guard is out. The right tackle is out. Top two tight ends are now out. Top running back is now out. Top four wide receivers are out. And I get so angry at so many of the decisions that Carson Wentz makes. Like, on a keeper and you run four yards and instead of sliding, you decide to like try and run into somebody because it's not like we have an entire season left. And that extra yard means nothing like he does things like that. But then I go and go, this man thinks he has to do everything because he goes in the huddle and he looks around and he goes, what is this fucking mini camp? Like I, (laughs) I just, I hate him and I feel bad for him at the same time. I don't know. There were two starters, two guys that started
1: in their regular position from the beginning of the season in the huddle at the end of the game. It was Jason Kelsey, um, and I want to say Kelsey, must, how was he, 34, 35, and Carson Wentz. And that point, I mean, there was a couple of things. The guy snapping the ball, and that's card. it. What do you call? It? Yeah, I mean, what do you call? It? You just say, hey, I'm just going to. I don't even know who I want to throw the ball to. And so, of course, Carson does not deserve the blame for this loss. I think he played as hard as he could. I think he showed some toughness, which is is certainly important in this point. And, and you have to have some weapons, you have to have some depth. You, you can blame Howie Roseman, you can blame Doug, all those different people. But the, the end of the story is that the Eagles have nobody offensively that you can trust and that you can depend on, except for probably Travis Fulgham,
0: really, Fulgham. And, and Carson
2: Wentz. The, the, those is are the his only name people. Fulham or Fulgham? The broadcast called them Fulgham, Fulgham multiple times, and I assume they know. But
0: and I've heard Fulhams, I they're. <sighs> Either way, L-U-L-G-H-A-M-4 that dude's awesome, and we need, to, we need to find a way to get on the ball. Um, yeah, just keep throwing another it to him. That's the only person though, you need to throw to. Okay, what, what the fuck was that two-point play at the end, Westbrook?
1: Well, this is what Doug said, actually, this morning. He said, um, you know, because I want to say, that, was that their second or third two-point play? there. must have been the third. Was it their second? For some reason, he said, we used up all of our red zone plays in the afternoon. We, by that point that we got down there, we had used up all the plays that we had allotted for, uh, for, for, for that situation. And just remember, as a, as a team, right, you go through certain plays. Okay, on this play, I want to get Ertz the ball. On this play, I want to get Sanders the ball. And you go through practice that way. When you go through practice, none of those guys that were in the game are actually running those plays. I don't know who these guys are. So at that point, who do you run a play for? And I I, I think it was a terrible call, number one. It was a terrible call. You know
0: what you do? You just run Philly-philly every time. (laughs) There's a lot of teams running Philly-philly too right now. How many people, how many people. On, if let's say they ran Philly Philly and they lob it up to Fulgum and it gets like swatted away or he doesn't get a foot down or on the radio in Philly today going, I fucking love the call. It was awesome. You have I- infinite amount of leeway with Philly Philly. You can run it whenever <laughs> and we are going to be fine with it. We are. Any play, I felt like any play except for the play that they ran
1: were they going to have Carson Wentz on an RPO type? Come on, that's that's not it. That's not the option play for a two point conversion. What are your
0: thoughts on the amount of RPOs they run with Wentz and his willingness to run? Do you is it worth anything?
1: I think it is worth something. It just at some point okay. you got to measure in, you got to calculate in who the heck he's throwing the ball to. And Carson seems yeah. to get in a groove. He kind of gets things going when he runs the ball. It, it, it's, it's weird. It's kind of like a layup for him. You're right. It's like it he yeah, gets, just it gets him going a little and bit. Like and he starts moving up. around. I still think he takes too
0: many chances. Others? I still think he does. He tries to do too much at times. And those times get him in trouble. You think Carson Wentz takes chances? Then I'll tell you what. If you're somebody out there that wants to see Lamar Jackson succeed for a long time, let me tell you something. That dude has one problem, and it's called calm the fuck down. You're up two scores against a one four and one Eagles team. And there's no need for you to be doing backflips. And like I, I, he took six hits yesterday that any other guy in the NFL is out for the season. I got
1: got a, I got a thought process about that. And and I don't want to say this because I, I, but it's close there's part of me that felt yesterday anyway that Lamar Jackson actually regressed, that he went backwards as far as being able to throw the ball. He's still lethal in the run game. He still can, he's still faster than everybody else. You can put him in situations that you can never put any other quarterback. But throwing the ball yesterday, I was looking at him like, they'll never win. They'll never win any shootout in a, in a versus a team that can put up 17 points in the first half by the way that he threw the ball yesterday. I felt like instead of throwing over the top, he was sidearming it. He was aiming. He was just missing. He was off yesterday. It wasn't his day. And in order to be effective, because it wasn't his day throwing the ball, he has to take those chances running the ball, like you're mentioning. That's what he has to do. That kind of gets him in the flow of the game.
0: I am fine with Lamar Jackson running. If he doesn't run, you're removing one of the greatest weapons that the NFL has Mm -hmm. ever seen. What I'm saying is, at the end of the run, when you've already run for 20 yards, I do not need a flip over a tackle. What I'm saying is is you need to boop, boop, put on Russell Wilson, boop, boop, put on Kyler Murray, and just look at how they avoid contact. Yesterday, I watched Carson Wentz and Lamar Jackson fight for a yard like it was the Super Bowl when it's week six in a regular season right. game and it doesn't fucking matter. Like in the grand scheme, that one yard. I just... I want Lamar to play for a long time. And I agree with you. His offensive line doesn't look as good as last year. I felt like the Eagles were able to almost like define the line of scrimmage on most snaps. But Lamar, we I just I want him around. And I the way he ends runs, not the way what he does with the run, but the way he ends it to me is, is scaring the crap. Right if he could ever figure out how complete, be more accurate throwing the football, be
1: more consistent then he's an unstoppable weapon. I mean, you just can't stop him. But yesterday just wasn't his day throwing the football. He has to be better than that.
0: Yeah, I left the game a little bit less confident in the Ravens, if I was going to be honest. You know,
1: so they gave up some big
0: plays in the secondary. I mean, I'm talking about some throws that I'm like, it's tough because I felt like they were going to put in RG3. Like, I did feel like the team kind of shut they down. They did. I mean, bit you bit bit saw them on the sideline. They're
1: laughing and joking and having a good time. Yeah. They, like, they kind of felt like the game was over. But I mean, Peters was in the game. Uh, uh, Humphrey got beat. I mean, they, got, they gave them some huge plays to the Eagles that even allowed it to be close.
0: What were, what were Philly fans saying this well, morning?
1: Well, I'll tell you this. They were saying that if Hightower catches the ball, if Miles Sanders catches uh, the ball, if they by uh, some chance got a different play in for the two-point conversion, that they could have beat the Ravens. That's what they're saying in Philadelphia. And, and I have to say, those are two touchdowns that you needed to try to win. You would have won the game in theory if you had those two touchdowns. It's a different game, Mm.
3: which
1: is which is weird to say because they're still missing so many pieces. But just to make it close, thirty to twenty-eight against that team, they were favored by ten points before the game, and you pulled it into a a, a two-point play. uh, That's that's not bad.
0: Man, you really came out with the fire, bringing Jerome Bettis. man. I need, to figure out, I need to figure out what team I want to root for, and I need to coordinate a phone call for next week. Damn. Like, I, I mentioned that in the text. I didn't think you were going to do it right You're, away. You, you Jerome Bettis. I had to get on the phone. I know. Man. Ingber, uh, what the hell happened to your Patriots yesterday? I- because I was getting ready to load up on Cam Newton rookie cards before the game, and I'm so happy I
2: didn't. <laughs> well, first thing was that Cam Newton did catch a pass. So the Philly Philly is, continues to rear its head all over the Bronner. country. Um, yeah, uh, the Broncos' defense was swarming. Brandon McManus, as we know, <laughs> just was kicking from all over the field in that beautiful yep, mile-high air. Uh, I don't know. They didn't, they didn't look Patriots Foxborough, like Foxborough and this was that in Denver. It was in Denver. Yeah. No, sorry, okay. it was in Foxborough. Oh my God. Drew Locke yeah, became so. the youngest quarterback in in Foxborough. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I saw that stat. That was crazy. Uh, but yeah, I, I think I mentioned this to you before the season when Tom Brady left Patriots fans were ready to accept any of the following three realities. If the Patriots are good, we just get to go. Yay. We're still really good. If the Patriots actually start to stink, but the Bucs are really good. Then we get to say, see, Brady was, was the man all along. He was better than Manning all along. And Belichick just held him back because he's a defensive coach. But if the Patriots stink and the Bucs stink, then we get to say, hey, Brady-Belichick was only a magical duo because of New England fans. And they can't actually succeed without us and the fandom. So we're ready for any – we, we will rewrite the narrative however it wants, however we need to in order to say that Patriots are awesome.
0: That was the game that shocked me the most. Westbrook already talked about Philip Lindsay, who I agree is like truly uh, an underrated game changer. I feel like when I, when I watched the fourth quarter of that game, I was like, and this is what the Patriots have to do the entire time. So beyond like the interceptions and just making great plays, it was trick plays. It was Edelman back to white. It was Edelman uh, over to cam. It was, it was, we have a piece at quarterback that can really move and run, let's go full horizontal. Because right now, Nikhil Harry and Demir Bird are, are not getting it done. I, I think the offense needs to be trick plays all the time to the point where they're not trick plays. You're just keeping the defense on a swivel. Westbrook, I don't know if that's a real possibility. It felt
1: like yesterday that was the only way that they could move the ball was the trick plays. But at some point, defenses will just say, okay – All you are are trick plays. We're just going to play zone and let you catch the ball in front of us, and we'll just come up and and make a tackle. And then at some point, you're going to have to play some regular offense. The problem with the Patriots yesterday, I think, was really simple. And what you saw with Tom Brady throughout his career, is that he just didn't make a lot of mistakes. He didn't throw the ball to the other team. I think in the 19-whatever years he was in New England, he only had maybe a few years, not even a handful of years, with double-digit interceptions yesterday cam threw the ball to the other team now some of those passes got tipped some of those passes got affected yep. at the line of scrimmage but the turnovers i mean it, it's simple as that he had a
0: new center yeah. in the offensive line and, and, lines well, and, the and again
1: they've been affected by this covet issue too in a, in my opinion if anybody needs to practice especially with a, a kind of a new team it's, it's cam he needs to make sure that mm. he, he gets those throws in he needs to make sure the timing gets in new england to, to Tom Brady's credit, was a team that was 12 yards means 12 yards, not 10 yards, not 10 and a half. And Cam has to get used to that as well. And being out for that week yeah. and a half or whatever it was that they were out of the facility.
0: And I feel like the Patriots run a lot of option routes where the quarterback and the receivers need to be on the same mm-hmm. page. And I just don't feel like they are. Like, it's all timing. I will say this, though. I've never gotten more confidence about a player's performance based on their pregame outfit than like I do with Cam Newton. Like when I saw what he was wearing to the stadium yesterday, I was like Patriots by 20. Like I just get overconfident with how well he dresses, which is a problem for me.
1: I like the way he dresses. A lot of people think of it, Kind of like yeah. the flair. You know, they don't like it. They should be more just you no. Know, dress however you want. If you want to dress like that, Cam, that's cool. I want him to dress like that and win, though. I mean, that's the biggest thing.
0: Who was the flashiest dresser that you've ever been on a team with?
1: Well, flashy. So I I think Bobby Taylor was the best dresser. Mitchell. Bobby he was the best Taylor? Dressed, uh player that I've ever played with.
0: Well, it's the last name, yeah. Taylor. You better clean, come with
1: like it. always suited, suited, booted, hat, everything clean. Bobby Taylor was
0: I feel like he, he wore like a, a long tan suit. Often. You know,
1: in this, so here's the thing about dressing. And Cam is probably a good example of this. When you're tall and long basketball-ish, basketball-ish you just look better in a suit. Like, I, I can dress nice, but when I look in a suit, I'm still short. I'm still 5'10". and kind of thick, you know? But tall and skinny guys look great in a suit. That's why Bobby Taylor, I'm talking about he looked good every time. I'm like, man, where are you getting your suits at? You know, how, how do you look like that? And it was just a look. He was the best dressed player that I ever played with by far.
0: Have you ever thought about lifts in your shoe? Have you ever thought about putting <laughs> in a little pad and becoming six foot Brian Westbrook? I'm just, I'm not, I'm not saying this as a suggestion. I was just asking you if you've I'll ever thought you this.
1: about it. I was at this store. This wasn't long ago. And they have these inner soles that gives you about an inch, maybe inch and a half. And I was like, eh, why not? And I bought them, and and so it does give you, and you do feel taller. Like when you feel, and this is the thing about being a little taller, you feel better than people. Like hmm, you kind of look down, you look <laughs> down at people, like yeah, short guy. Like you know what I'm saying? So and I, and I, I must have left them in Maryland. So we were, so obviously I'm in Brooklyn now, and and we go back and forth between Brooklyn and Maryland. I think I left them in Maryland, and so the.
0: So you throw them in your shoes, you walk past your wife. Yeah. Was it any yeah, different? she looked at me like, oh. I like a tall man, you know? Oh, wait, did you tell her that you had lifts? I didn't tell her. She thinks I'm growing. And she looked at you and was like, I don't know what it is, but there's something about you.
1: Like, yeah, check him out. He's hot stuff. Not like this morning. This morning, And you didn't didn't feel like like you were cheating. She wasn't in love with me this morning. But when I had the lifts in the shoes, Mm. you know, she wanted me a little bit.
0: This is incredible. Usually people that are vertically challenged tell you that height doesn't matter, but Westbrook literally just told you a story that matter. he made himself taller, felt amazing, judged okay. people, got complimented by yeah. his wife. I felt wow. better
1: than a lot of shorter people. I know people. what I'm
0: getting you for yeah. Hanukkah. Yeah. Now I know. Now I know. Mm. Little guy. This is the reason to have kids, people that aren't tall. <laughs> you, feel you feel great. You great. <laughs> um, uh, the, the Falcons do what, of course, you do, which is when you fire your coach, you come back the, the very next week and you win, even though like the team doesn't practice because of COVID. Uh, Giants get their first win of the season. Jets suck. Uh, Tua gets on the field and then sits on the field. I am was a little bit overplayed a little bit. I'm, like, eh. I'm,
1: all, I'm all for the sentimental I believe, stuff. But,
0: eh. I believe that Tua – is in the Mariota, the Russell Wilson, the J.J. Watt camp of you can call them corny. I just think it's like baked into their brain and that's really who they are. I, like if that was Baker, 100%. Yeah. But I think Tua, who I watched a doc about the importance of the Tagovailoa name, which probably was pronounced wrong. I don't think it was corny, but I think that cynical people well, think it's corny. I, like I met Tua
1: and his father at the Super Bowl and had a chance to talk to both him and his father. And it was great conversation. And I could tell that they're just good people. So it, it makes sense. Yeah. I, thought, I, not, I, I didn't think it was corny that he did it. I thought the media coverage of it was corny. I'm just like, OK, cool. He was calling his parents. That's important to him. And you, if you're around him, if you know him at all, you know how important his parents and his upbringing and his family is to him. That makes sense. The coverage of it. Oh, my God.
0: Listen. So what's really was funny.
1: on the field right where he, his last play. Okay, got it. That's
0: cool. I always equate it to when I was a local sports anchor, you get your two and a half minutes in the last four minutes of the show. Usually there's a video of a dog swimming. Isn't that great? And now let's go to sports. And the only time I would ever go in the A block in the beginning was either when something in local sports was like a really big deal. Like news wise, a coach was fired or a big championship win. Or there was a really, there was a video that, that I called getting good morning America. That was very cute. And it, what happens is, is that's what I think happened with Tua, where I could see that on one of these morning shows where they were like, after his first start, a star NFL quarterback sat on the field and FaceTimed Mm -hmm. his parents. And then like it, it takes on these non-sports fans that are just, ooh, and ah, and human emotion. And you are clearly not on yeah. that side. And I typically am with you. It's the good morning amerification of sports yeah, sometimes. It, happens. it gets a little yeah. sappy. Ingber loves those moments.
2: No, I'm actually super. <laughs>
0: You're on mute. You're on
2: mute. <laughs> <laughs> I-, I muted myself because my daughter is running around outside this room. No, I am a big, big, big hater of when people say, oh, this restores my faith in humanity. <laughs> You right. the, the, the stories that drive me crazy are when it's like some teacher comes down with cancer and then all the rest of the teachers thro- give that person their sick days and like, man, the school really came together. It's like, no, the government should be giving this person a bunch of sick leave. No, we shouldn't have to band together as a community to give up our own sick days. That's not inspiring. That's revealing a dysfunction in the system. How is that inspiring to anyone? But people buy it hook, line and sinker. Yeah, so he should be able to FaceTime his parents. I FaceTime my parents after good moments too. But like- it, it doesn't restore my faith in humanity that he wanted to talk to his parents after his NFL debut. Good for you, Tua. Excited. I, I hope you have a 15-year career.
1: Mm, I love How that, about man. Ryan just Patrick on the sideline, just cheering them on, cheering him on. He's raising the roof, and then he goes and does this. He does the finger lick, like he's about to take the next snap. <laughs> yeah. I got a friend. So, Freddie Mitchell. You guys know Freddie Mitchell, right? So, he says that quarterbacks and kickers, like holders, are crazy because they're always licking their fingers – in the chalk, you know, the, like the chalk, the whatever, this lime, whatever it is, they put on the field, because they're always licking their fingers, they'll go crazy eventually because they're always
0: doing this, and they'll, they'll get so much of that in their theory. system. Yeah, Breeze, Breeze does a pull, pull, yeah, yeah. Lick, lick all the time, every the snap. Time. Remember at the beginning of COVID? People like literally were like, Drew Breeze, you're not gonna be able to lick your fingers. <laughs> Saliva will not be allowed on <laughs> the field. Um, but wait, Westbrook. Um, oh. What were you going to say? Licking? You were just complimenting Ryan Fitzpatrick. What an amazing play by that guy. And Like, wow, another game, another great performance, and he kind of seems like the perfect backup. Sounds like you should jump on the bandwagon. I was, I
1: was not actually complimenting Ryan Fitzpatrick. I was saying he was doing a good job getting the crowd involved, and it was ironic that him now being on the bench, he just muscle-memoried the, the finger lip. I, I, was not, I was not complimenting him
0: now. I mean, he played I, well, he played, played a good game, right? But I mean, you know,
2: he dominated those jets out there. Yeah. You got to consider that. You got to consider who he played just a little bit, <laughs> but he is, I, I texted yesterday. He's going to, if he keeps playing and it seems like he's not going to stop anytime soon, he's going to start climbing into like top 25 into major career categories for like a guy that, what's the difference in career
0: between Ryan Fitzpatrick and Frank Gore. And I'm being pretty serious.
2: Hmm. What do you mean? What's the difference?
0: What does Frank Gore won?
2: Well,
1: Frankie played in the Super Bowl.
0: Frank Gore has been around for a really long... This is a bad take, but I'm going to stick with it. Frank Gore has been doing this. He's never been a top five running back in any year that he's played. He's super consistent. Coaches trust him. He's really great to bring in when there's a younger guy behind him and let him ease into the league and teach him things. What's the difference between Ryan Fitzpatrick and Frank Gore?
2: And my, my take is they're both awesome. And why can't I love both and guys? And I'm
0: not, I'm not saying one is bad.
2: That's just my take. I'm just
0: saying, I'm, I'm cool. saying we, we, exactly. But here I have a running back in Brian Westbrook that thinks Ryan Fitzpatrick stinks. And I'm like, by any measure, the tenure in which he's been there is a testament to him by itself. And people treat Frank Gore like he walks in, like they should throw rose petals out and yell, my son works. And it's, what's we the difference?
1: When Frank was in his prime. He was a legit top six, seven running back in the league, period.
0: Maybe top five. And when Ryan Fitzpatrick had that one season with that one season, he was not in
1: his prime that his prime was like two or three games. That was that was Ryan
0: Fitzpatrick. Ryan Fitzpatrick, Ryan Fitzpatrick, if I collect single weeks from the past years, like those two weeks with the Tampa Bay Bucks (laughs) and these two weeks with the Dolphins, and I
2: combine it. MVP season for sure.
0: MVP season. And that's what you'd have to do with Frank Gore. That's
1: not true. When Frank was in San Francisco, Frank Gore was one of the he probably was a top five running back in the league. And if you look at Frank Gore, for his size, being able to run power like they ran in San Francisco. Who is better? You or Frank Gore? Frank is better. Frank is better. He has a much longer career.
0: Now, in, in a one game scenario, one game scenario, peak of your powers, who is better? You or you or Frank Gore? Just I, I
1: think I would I you. would prefer my skill set to what Frank did. But again, he, he had the ability
0: to run inside. You don't like running up the gut for four yards every yeah, time?
1: He, it's
3: that, that was, That's not the that way you like
0: to deal. play football? I'm, this is the most important thing. I'm coming off the side of such a Frank, Frank Gore. Gour, hater.
1: I'm Think sorry. about this Frank, being a smaller running back, a power back, is still playing football. I, I watched him run off the field yesterday. I'm like, I played with Frank Gore 10 years ago. That's crazy to me. Still doing it. I appreciate that.
0: I'm just realizing I think I'm a long. Well, you know how people say you're an ageist? If you only people that, what's a longevityist?
1: Mm. I, I just call him
0: a longevityist. Long, I didn't care. You I'm, say t- I'm torn. I don't know what it is because I also get upset by, like, I don't know if I'd rather have a six year career like Terrell Davis. Like, would you rather have a career like Terrell Davis or Frank Gore? I think I'd pick Terrell Davis. Short and fast and well, hard.
1: Yeah. TD was a Super Bowl winner. 2,000 yards.
0: Yeah, he had two MVPs.
1: Yeah, I mean, he, he was pretty awesome.
0: He's got two Super Bowls. So I think he's got one yeah, MVP. Yeah,
1: yeah, I probably would go Super Bowls.
0: But, but for, I mean, the, here's the neat thing about Frank, and
1: this is actually was pretty cool. I heard it in the uh, broadcast yesterday. Him and his son, who is at Southern Miss maybe, down, down South playing ball in college, they have this competition of who is going to have the most rushing yards on the season type of thing. And I want to say he's pretty close. Frank has 200 and something. And I think his son has 200 or something. As I play with my son every day, I I can't even imagine how it would be to have a son old enough to be able to play in college and me to watch him while I'm still playing in the NFL. I, I think that's pretty cool.
0: I want to apologize to Frank Gore. My love of Ryan Fitzpatrick and Westbrook's disdain for him. Caused yeah, you brought me Frankie in to have this. an anger ripple.
1: One of my favorite guys
0: too. But we did we did get you to admit that you're better than Frank no, Gore. Didn't. So that's really fun. <laughs> Uh, There's two Monday night games, so this is a new segment that we like to call Let's Predict Something and Look Dumb When the Podcast Comes Out. We have Chiefs-Bills. Epic matchup. Remember, the Chiefs traded up with the Bills to get Patrick Mahomes. We were reminded of that yesterday when the Ravens traded up with the Eagles to get Lamar Mm -hmm. Jackson. And the other game is what?
2: Arizona at Dallas. Oh,
0: God, it's going to be a fun night of Monday night football in our new segment Let's Look Dumb. Ingber, you're first. Who are the two teams that are going to win on Monday
2: night? I'm so tired of looking stupid when I say that Kansas City is going to get beaten. So Kansas City is going to win by 10. That game's just going to happen. It's going to be a thing. The Bill. everyone's going to say, "Ooh, actually the Bills aren't as good as we thought." That's that that to me is like set it and forget it. Arizona at Dallas. Here's my hot take. I think there's going to be one punt. One punt the entire game.
0: You're all over my over bet there. Yeah. Oh, wait, but but who'd you pick to win it? I'll take Dallas. Hmm. Okay. Brian Westbrook, your two winners for Monday night. I'm going KC
1: in the bounce back game. Um, I, 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 I see Andy Reid getting after the guys a little bit. And and sometimes when you win that many games in oh, a you're row. You're right. Andy Reid after a yeah, loss. Right. Oh, yeah. And when you win that many games in a row, you tend to overlook things. You allow things to happen. That's how you get beat. Bounce back game for the Andy Reid. And I feel like they –
0: also, Andy Reid versus former assistant right. coach, Sean, McBad, Sean McDermott. Yeah, yeah. I feel Isn't like that Sean always McBad, goes McDermott, to Andy. Yeah. So,
1: um, I, so I'll take Casey there. You know, I'm going to Arizona. I, I think Dallas, I just think about that defense, and I don't see how they get better. I mean, there was some want-to problem. They, they didn't have enough want to go out there and win uh, in, in some of the games that I've watched. And I think they have some issues trying to handle Kyler Murray just a bit.
0: Uh, you know when you're watching a pregame show and everybody picks one team and you want to call your bookie almost immediately <laughs> and like bet against them? Uh, that's what's happening right now. I'm going to go Chiefs as well. Uh, very curious to see the success the Bills have running the football because I feel like that's what you're going to have to do because I think Pat can tear this defense yeah. apart. I think that the defense is beaten up right now. Uh, But I'm much like Ingber. I'm just done betting against them, especially after a loss. Were you going to say something? Yeah,
1: let me ask you this. So the Bills got out out physical last week against the Titans. The Chiefs aren't going to out-physical them, especially on the offensive side. They're going to finesse them. They're going to trick them a little bit. They won't out-physical them. So I kind of feel like that may give the Bills, as I'm thinking about it, that may give them a little bit more a little,
0: little bit more, especially on the defensive side of the ball than what we saw last week. We just saw how good the Titans Oh, I think are. the game's going to be yeah. great. I think the game's going to be great. And I think, I don't know if there's a game that has a higher expected entertainment value level than a game between Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. Patrick Mahomes, every single play, I've never fathomed the possibility of that existing. And Josh Al- Allen, I've never fathomed a human being thinking that those decisions yeah. were okay. And so it's going to be a mix of like, like I, but I would love at halftime if they brought Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes out and they stood on the goal line and they said to decide who gets the ball to start the second half, we will have a throw off <laughs> because I think both of them can throw yeah. at 90. And so I, I, this is going to be a game where I'm hoping the physical abilities of each quarterback brings out things that we've never seen before. When Patrick Mahomes goes up against Joe Flacco He's relaxed. But when Patrick Mahomes went up against Big Ben two years ago, and it was like 40, to, and We, I really feel like this game, I'm hoping because this is going to come out like around or afterwards. I, I really think that, that month, the Monday Night Football game between Josh and Patrick Mahomes could be as good as Rams-Chiefs from that one year. The other game, I'm actually going to go with the Cowboys mm. um, because... I think it's going to be kind of a win-one for the Gipper situation. And I feel like Dallas is going to uh, – the, the, my big fear for Dallas is that they've lost both of their tackles, Tyron Smith and Lyle Collins. But the fact that the Cardinals lost Chandler Jones, and I really don't think they have anyone else to get pressure, I think that this is going to be a big Zeke game. And I think we leave this game going. The identity of the Cowboys has changed. They are going to try and run it on you. Um, and – but I really hope it's the Kyler show. I'm looking. I hope it is the Kyler explosion extravagant. I'm thinking about
1: uh, Hopkins in that secondary of the Cowboys just running all around <laughs> and, and no one being able to catch them. The other thing that I'm thinking about as I watch these games, I'm thinking about these games this afternoon. That's a, was it, a four o'clock start? 4.30, 4.05? Five. I mean, that, that's pretty cool on a Monday to have that. Now we're, we're all on the East Coast. That's cool for us. It's The day is winding down. If you're in the West Coast, that actually would be a great midday type of cool thing. All right, I'm taking a couple of hours off, boss, because I'm going to watch this game.
0: 1.30 margaritas, 2 o'clock kickoff. Let's that's right, ride. That's right. And then 2.15 margaritas. Yeah, yeah. And then 2.45 margaritas. And then 3.15 margaritas. All right, that was the Monday. Do you, have any, do you guys have anything else that you want to get off your chest before we go?
2: Yeah, I do, actually. This is uh, something that I've been meaning to bring up for a while. Uh, Something that happened. I'm 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 in in trouble right now. now. (laughs) (laughs) Before the season, I said I believe in Ryan Tannehill. I said that I didn't think his deep ball was going to regress. I think he's just a really good quarterback. I watched him in Miami. He terrified me against the Patriots every time. I just thought he was really good and finally had the weapons that he needed with an outstanding running game. And this is what Lefko said. It is the
0: fifth increase in past defenses faced, okay? I think Ryan Tannehill
2: is going to be just bleh. I really believe that. Just bleh. And now I don't know exactly how to spell that for those taking notes. Uh, I
0: want to make a note for for people out there. Is that this is the second week in a row that Ingber has gone deep into the archives (laughs) to find uh, when he's right. And I was sitting there, and I'm writing down yesterday. I was like, you know what? I should probably find the clip of how I talked about how the Steelers were going to be amazing. But Ingbert is just coming with so much fucking ammunition. I wasn't ready for that. But you're right. I thought that Tannehill was going to regress to the mean, and I thought it was a lock. And uh, I apologize to you and Ryan Tannehill.
2: That was actually uh, the stat that I saw that I thought was amazing was that it was the first time in NFL history where a 200-yard rusher and a 350-yard passer in the same game that's incredible. That is
0: incredible. Yeah, and, and you know who we deserve the deserves the credit? Federico Tanti, <laughs> <laughs> the incredible offensive coordinator for the Tennessee Titans. Adam, I got I got Adam, a surprise like, right? for you. Look who just joined. me, Oh my me, god, man. Is it surprise! Come here now.
2: Where's he wants to be shy. Oh yeah, that's Brian. Bry. Brian,
0: Brian, Brian. Oh man, you gonna say hi?
1: There he is, sneaking in the office. Bad Brian's child on the pod, Stand up here so bad Brian,
0: sneaking in the office. Got all the energy in the world until it's, the camera's <laughs> light. Right.
1: It's my little
0: guy, right? All here. right, for Brian, the Westbrook, Rocket Man. Time out. Didn't we just change it? Oh,
1: we're the new Steelers fan.
0: Oh no! Right. When do we change it to Ingber, well, What what? Well, what was it in the text chat
2: yesterday? The
0: Westbrook is the <laughs> Oh, no, the spork. The spork. <laughs> the spork.
1: The spork. I can do it all. I can be I your forgot. fork. Have- I can be your spoon. I can help you with soup. And I can get noodles at the same time. I'm your spork.
0: I forgot we were – yesterday's text chat, we were comparing NFL players to kitchen items <laughs> because uh, Derrick Henry was the blender. Uh, or the, the microwave. microwave He's the microwave. Originally. And then Brian Westbrook was the spork. For David Ingber.
2: Real men change diapers. It's
0: true.
2: Man, Brian's eyes are adorable.
0: I am the LEF. K-O-E. Man. And honestly, we hope you're enjoying the NFL. We hope you're doing great at home. And we hope you're enjoying the Left Go Show. Have a great day. Be kind to others. Enjoy the game. Hopefully it's amazing. Holla, holla, holla. Peace.